Welcome to What the Health Podcast, where we help you lead a happier and healthier life by offering a wide range of health and wellness news and insights. I'm John Salak, your host. If you like what you hear, be sure to visit our news site at wellwellusa.com and sign up for our weekly news blasts. Now, let's get started with the show. Winter is fast approaching, which is easy to tell. The weather is colder and the days are shorter. The holidays are also at hand. It can be a great time for many, but it is also an extremely busy and stressful time for most between family events, gift giving and receiving, and the approach of the new year. Nothing new here for most of us. What is unrealized, however, is that for many, this combination is a recipe for seasonal depression an affliction that affects millions of Americans every year. As the name implies, seasonal depression is brought about by changes in the season that cause people to disrupt their natural and probably more healthy routines. Sure, the classic example of seasonal depression occurs in the Northeast, Midwest, or Northwest, where colder weather and shorter days can trigger a rise in depression and anxiety because outdoor activities, socializing, and the exposure to sunlight is limited but it can also just as easily happen in the summer months in the Deep South when soaring temperatures push people inside for relief. Of course, the wild card to seasonal depression is the mix of emotions that come with the holidays. This can, and often does, make a bad situation worse. Thankfully, there is growing awareness of the causes and dangers associated with seasonal depression, and with it, a better understanding of how to handle it. On this episode of What the Health, we're extremely fortunate to have Dr. Gregory Scott Brown, a psychiatrist and author of The Self-Healing Mind, here to help us unwrap the causes, dangers, and remedies of dealing with the wintertime blues. We'd like to welcome Dr. Gregory Scott Brown to this episode of What the Health, and we're going to be talking about something that probably affects virtually everyone in one sense or another, and that is seasonal depression. Some people describe it as holiday depression. There's some probably combination of the two. We've spoken to Dr. Brown before, and he's got some interesting insights on this. In many parts, because of his professional background, he's also written a book, The Self-Healing Mind, which we'll get into and explore how some of his insights and approaches to this sort of depression and anxiety work. So, Dr. Brown, thank you for coming on. John, thank you for having me. It's good to be with you. Every year, we hear about either seasonal depression or holiday depression. And I know they can be intertwined, or maybe they're not, and we can explore that. But is it a real problem? And if it is a real problem, how big of a problem is it? Well, it's definitely a real problem. Uh, In fact, the American Psychiatric Association recently released a survey indicating that up to 5% of Americans may struggle with seasonal depression. So we're talking about something that potentially impacts millions of people. And so when you're talking about seasonal depression, really what you're thinking about is depression that occurs with a seasonal pattern. So if you're noticing depressed mood, low energy, maybe you're not sleeping as well, sleeping too much, feelings of worthlessness or not really being interested in the things that you once were interested in for at least two weeks, then that might meet criteria for major depression. Now, if you're experiencing those symptoms, At the same time of year, multiple years in a row, that would indicate potentially meeting criteria for seasonal depression. 
And when we talk about seasonal depression, are we focused really on the end of fall, autumn into winter? So it's definitely more common that time of year, but seasonal depression can actually occur any time of the year. And I think it's important to realize that folks who live in Texas, like myself, I mean, some people will experience seasonal depression during the summer when it's extremely hot outside and uh, we're not able to get outside as much and spend as much time in nature. So it's something that can occur any time of the year. Does holiday depression play a factor in this at all? Obviously, they wouldn't impact someone in Texas in August, but what about people in the Northeast who are seeing the seasons change and rolling into the holidays? Or is it just because they overlap when the season is changing? When you're talking about seasonal depression, the holidays definitely can play a role there, as can other factors as well. I mean, the days are getting shorter. Now, if we're looking at some science here, more melatonin is produced in the brain that can cause us to feel more tired and sluggish. But if we're looking at the holidays, there are unique stressors that come along with it. Gift giving, gift receiving can be particularly stressful for a lot of folks. And then there are financial stressors that are associated with the holidays as well. What is the impact for someone maybe feeling anxious, uh, lack of energy or engagement? Are there deeper problems or more dangerous problems involved in seasonal depression? Sure. I think it's, it's a good question. We have to consider that there are over 140 suicides every day on average in the United States alone. And seasonal depression or depression of any type is one of the primary risk factors for suicide. On a smaller scale, if depression is beginning to interfere with one's ability to live their life, it's causing problems at work, it's causing problems with their relationships, with their friendships then I think it's definitely something that people should talk about. No degree of depression is too small to, to actually talk about with someone that you trust, whether it be someone in your family or a mental health professional. Obviously, it affects a lot of people. Are there certain people who are more susceptible to seasonal depression? Holidays are a stressor for everyone, but are there other indications that would make somebody particularly susceptible to seasonal depression? It's a good question regarding susceptibility to seasonal depression. I think the important thing to realize is that everyone is at risk for depression. And so just because we may see depression occurring in higher rates in women, for example, which is something that we actually do see, men tend to die by suicide about three to four times as often as women do. So again, if we're looking at those statistics and saying one group of people is more susceptible than another group of people, I think that's a little bit misleading. Now, with seasonal depression specifically, as we were talking about earlier, does tend to be more common and at least get more attention in those northeastern states, per se, when the winters are colder and, and the days are a bit longer, then everyone is at risk. The problem with seasonal depression, it's always been there. Is the problem growing in any way or is it just stable? Not that stable is necessarily a good thing. It just means it's not growing. I suspect that this has been a problem for a very long time. But again, as you see more conversations like the one that we're having today, as you see more people talking about their mental health and mental illness journey and you start paying more attention and people start feeling more comfortable actually coming out and sharing their stories with their doctors, with their family members, then you start to see those numbers and those diagnoses maybe uh, tick up a little bit. But I suspect this has been a problem for a very long time. 
is seasonal depression different than other types of depression? I mean, we, we may know the cause, but is there a difference beyond the cause itself? It really isn't. It's depression. I mean, depression is depression. As I mentioned earlier, here at least two weeks where someone is noticing depressed mood, maybe low energy, changes in appetite, not getting restorative sleep, feelings of worthlessness and thoughts of, of suicide. The distinguishing factor, what makes seasonal depression is that it occurs with a seasonal pattern. So if you're someone who's noticing every winter you start to feel this way or those symptoms go away when spring and summer come along or every summer you feel this way and those symptoms go away when fall and winter roll around, that's what would uh, distinguish seasonal depression from other types of depression. Given this, are you a proponent of getting rid of daylight savings time then? Does this add to the problem? I think that anytime people are experiencing shorter days, they're waking up in the morning and it's dark outside. When you get home from work, it's dark outside. Again, in the absence of sunlight, your brain is releasing more melatonin that can cause us to feel sluggish and, and tired and maybe experience more brain fog, which can exacerbate feelings of, of depression. So I'm not. Uh, a proponent for or against daylight savings time per se, but I think it's definitely something that we have to be mindful of as our days are getting shorter. Your book, The Self-Healing Mind, you deal with, obviously, how to deal with depression, anxiety, number of other mental health issues, and obviously, correct me if I'm wrong, how do we deal with seasonal depression? Is it the same way we would deal with other forms of depression, or are there other elements to it in, in terms of getting through it. Treatment, again, if someone is experiencing seasonal depression during the fall and the winter, there's some good evidence indicating that a light box may actually help in sitting with a light box in the morning when you have your cup of coffee or your cup of tea, 30 minutes to an hour every day. I mean, some psychiatrists are actually recommending this for their patients. We have certain medications that have been studied and found to help with seasonal depression like Wellbutrin or Bupopion, for example. But I think the other thing is if you are someone who's insightful and are able to recognize some of those triggers, I mean, maybe gift giving or gift receiving is one of your, your triggers. Maybe it's time to, to have a game of white elephant instead of exchange of gifts during the, mm-hmm. during the holidays. Little things like they may seem inconsequential can actually make a big difference as well. I just want to add one, one other thing in here. I mean, we know, again, the benefits of self-care strategies like moving our body, exercise, physical activity, meditation, making sure that we're eating nutrient-dense meals. If you know that you're more prone to experiencing uh, seasonal depression, it's a good opportunity there to really pay attention to some of those self-care strategies as well. The self-care strategies that you would recommend or apply to anyone at any time of the year I'm assuming for depression or anxiety, would include things like activity, proper nutrition. Tell me what else that people should always be on the lookout for or be mindful of in their own lifestyle. When it comes to activity, again, moving our bodies, being outside is more difficult when it's darker outside, when it's cold, when it's rainy. Similar to how it's more difficult for me being in Texas to spend a lot of time outside going for a run when it's 108 degrees in the middle of July. So. That might mean modifying your exercise or your movement plan to an indoors type of activity, following along with an online workout on YouTube, developing a meditation 
practice. Meditation, I think, is a great strategy that anyone who's listening to this should try. It really just requires sitting in a quiet room, bringing conscious awareness to your breath, to your thoughts. Maybe set a timer and start with two minutes. Maybe that's all you can do the first time you mm-hmm. try your meditation. Just like you'll notice that in time, it gets easier. Do you see this occurring in children as well as adult seasonal depression? Anyone is susceptible is it, to experience mm-hmm. depression, regardless of age, geographic region, uh, race or ethnicity, nationality. Mm-hmm. So again, that can impact anyone. What are the telltale signs you might see in someone else and they're not aware of it? A loved one, a child, a friend? Is it just sluggishness? Is it moodiness? I mean, it's probably some of those and, and other things. If we know someone well or we notice a change in their behavior, if they're someone who's normally engaging, they're isolating more, someone's not returning our, our calls, they're not spending as much time around us as they normally do, I think it, it makes sense to check in on that person. We don't necessarily have to be intrusive and just flat out ask them, are you depressed or are you experiencing seasonal depression? But just mm-hmm. to ask them how they're doing and be willing to really sit down and listen and have a conversation. When we look at seasonal depression, holiday depression, for the most part, do you feel we can tackle this with our own self-awareness strategies and, and programs? Anytime someone is experiencing symptoms of depression, the most appropriate thing that you can do is talk to someone about it. And you don't have to start off having that conversation with a psychiatrist like myself. You can talk to someone family, talk to a friend, but the worst thing you could do is to suffer in silence. Now, there are self-care strategies, as I outlined in my book, The Self-Healing Mind. I think once you've had that conversation with someone, and perhaps even while you're waiting to have your first appointment with a therapist, that's a good place to start. And these are strategies that can improve symptoms of depression and anxiety and also prevent us from sliding into episodes of depression and anxiety. What's it one takeaway you'd want people to walk away with from this conversation, which again is focused on seasonal depression, maybe triggered by the holidays or something else? My takeaway is that you're not alone. A lot of people listening to this podcast are going to resonate with a lot of the things that we discussed today. And again, millions, tens of millions of Americans every year struggle with depression and anxiety. And millions of Americans every year struggle with seasonal depression. So again, if if you're listening to this and you're thinking, that really sounds like me, I would just encourage you to get a conversation going with someone you trust. It might improve your life for the better. All right. Dr. Gregory Scott Brown, thank you very much for your time and your patience. We appreciate it. We certainly would recommend everyone look at your book, The Self-Healing Mind. It's good for you at any time of the year. It's a pathway to a healthier lifestyle. Thank you very much. Before we move on, we want to again encourage listeners to take advantage of the hundreds of exclusive discounts WellWell offers on a range of health and wellness products and services. These deals cover everything from fitness and athletic equipment to dietary supplements, personal care products, organic foods and beverages, and more. Signing up is easy and free. Just visit us at wellwellusa.com, go to Milton's Discounts in the top menu bar, and the sign-up form will appear. Signing up will just take seconds, but the benefits can last for years. Now, let's talk some health hacks. 
First, we all need to face the reality that the seasons are not going to go away. This means that many of us face the risk of personally confronting seasonal depression, which can be made worse by the onset of the holidays. It is also important to accept that depression is serious business, whatever the cause. But just because the threat is inevitable does not mean that people are powerless to avoid it or to limit its impact. Awareness is the key. If you or someone you know starts to exhibit strong mood or lifestyle changes as the seasons shift, they could be suffering. These changes can take the form of being less social or active, to exhibiting mood swings or despair, changes in diet, or increased consumption of drug or alcohol. Remedies for seasonal depression can vary from psychiatric help to drugs. But there are also self-care solutions that can ease the consequences. These can include using a light box, daily to exercising more, increasing activity, engaging in meditation, and moving to a nutritious, well-balanced diet. Ultimately, if you're dealing with seasonal depression, self-care remedies are a great place to start. But it is also important to get professional help as needed. Well, that's it for this episode of What the Health. I'd like to thank Dr. Brown for his time and insights and to recommend his work, The Self-Healing Mind, as a possible first step in dealing with this issue. Of course, I want to thank everyone else for listening to What the Health, and I hope you'll come back. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to this episode of What the Health. Looking for more feel-good news? Just visit our news site at wellwellusa.com and sign up for our weekly news blast. And if you enjoyed this episode and would like to help support our podcast, please share with others, post it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Until next time, keep yourself on that pathway to a healthier, happier you.